0: Welcome to Farm to Fork, a program dedicated to exploring how food and drink are produced, delivered, and served throughout the Pioneer Valley. In every episode, we speak with some of the brightest lights in the Valley's culinary world, from gleaners, gatherers, uh, hunters, fishermen, farmers, and packagers, to brewers and restaurateurs, and everyone in between. My name is Jessica. Show producer Caroline Ruderman joins me in the studio Co-producer Sue Timberlake is taking calls for us since this is Fun Drive Week here at Valley Free Radio, and we need our We need your support. Uh, to start off the Fund Drive, we have some $5 gift cards from River Valley Co-op that we will give to the first few donations of any dollar amount. We also have uh, the Estate of the David S. Dow Fund that is providing a $10 donation on behalf of every individual that donates to the station this week. There are also other matching funds. This is the time to donate to Valley Free Radio if you enjoy our programming. Did you know that Valley Free Radio is run entirely by volunteers? We don't host ads or take money from corporate sponsors. Instead, we rely on listeners and supporters here in Pioneer Valley to keep us on air. Please support the unique local programming found only here by going online to www.valleyfreeradio.org slash donate and make your tax-deductible contribution today. We literally couldn't do it without you. Today we'll be talking with Denise Leonard, owner of Tonstoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts. So Denise, it's good to have you with us.
1: Uh, what is the history of the farm? Thank you for asking me. The um, History goes back quite a ways. Um, as a child, I was in 4-H and I showed sheep and I sort of got bitten by the sheep bug. Um, and actually, I had uh, showed what were, at that point, South Downs. And they were somewhat of a meaty, small breed. But you very quickly could get them what was called overconditioned or too fat. Mm-hmm. So I decided that I needed a dog to run these sheep around and get them um, in shape, proper shape. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the beginning of getting involved with my board of collies. And that's sort of the basis of the farm, is to have the livestock and the border collies that help with the livestock. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And we grow a number of things, uh, mainly for our own consumption, but what's left over we sell, mostly lamb and then some other various things. We've been doing lamb forever. Mm -hmm. And... We first moved to Leverett, and I started doing chickens then. We still do chickens. We have a lot of eggs, and um, we still have the sheep, quite a few sheep. Mm-hmm. We're up in Greenfield now because it gives us more area and space for the sheep and for training the dogs and for keeping the chickens and all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And your your website
1: mentions ducks, I believe, duck eggs? I and- no longer have ducks. Oh, you don't? Okay. Right. They were kind of a messy bird, and a couple of years ago, I sold them out. Mm -hmm. It's much easier keeping a flock of chickens without the messy ducks there.
0: Interesting. Uh, But duck eggs are, I'm assuming, larger, no?
1: Duck eggs are larger, and they've got um, a little bit more fat, and they make wonderful baked goods. Mm -hmm. I really miss having them, Mm -hmm. but I don't miss the messy ducks. (laughs) They make really good custard and really good quiches. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how did... uh Tonstoffel Farm get its name? My husband actually named it. Mm-hmm. And it's an acronym for There Ain't No Such Thing as a Free Lunch. Mm-hmm. And that comes from The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess there was some reference to it in the Ender series. Right? Was it Orson uh, Scott? I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Ender series. And so because people were asking me when I was at a farmer's market once, did you read Ender's Game?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a reference there, to that one.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: so you mentioned the the farms in Greenfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so how
1: was the location chosen, and how many acres do you own? When we decided to move from Leverett, because I want we only had two acres in Leverett, mm-hmm. and uh, when we decided to move from there, it was the middle of a housing boom back in the 70s, mm-hmm. and... We looked around and looked around and looked around, and either there were plots of land that had nothing on them that we'd have to build on, mm-hmm. or there were things that were very, very expensive. This particular place happened to have open land as well as wooded land and um, a reasonable size house. It had a barn on it, and uh, we decided to buy it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Uh... Let's see, so the farm's in Greenfield. Mm -hmm. Um, How many people does it take to run the farm currently, and what are the roles of the individuals?
1: It's a one-person farm at this point in time. I pretty Mm -hmm. much do most of the work Mm -hmm. with the animals. My husband does the things like fix the hydrant that's dripping or help me put the gates back on the hinges that have come off. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a small farm. It's not very big. We run about, um, right now there's about 35 sheep on it. When we're done lambing, we'll probably be up to 50 sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the summer, uh, and, and I have about 30 chickens, which is about 15 too many, <laughs> given the number of eggs in now laying. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the summer, um, we also do uh, pigs and meat birds, meat chickens, and turkeys. And just a few of that, um, I'm sort of getting off topic here. Mm. Oh, that's okay. Uh, the question was, but it's all something that one person can do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And when I do go places, I ask my husband to help out. Our younger son is now living with us, and he helps out, too.
0: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned turkeys in the summer, but are those already sold out, so people wouldn't be able I've to get them for Thanksgiving? I've got, I think, maybe four left. Oh, four.
1: Okay. But I like turkeys, so I don't mind having four left. But if people mm-hmm. want to buy them, they're there.
3: hmm Cool.
1: Uh, So you you mentioned border collies
0: uh, as sort of staff, extra staff on your farm. Uh, How did you originally learn to manage the collies uh, and what services uh, do you offer to the
1: community related to them? I saw some workshops maybe on your website. Right. Um, That also goes back a long time. When I first had my first sheep, Mm -hmm. um, as a teenager, I would go and shear sheep for other people. Mm -hmm. And one of the people I sheared for was a woman who lived in Lincoln. and Her name was Betty Levin. Um, she is still alive. She's probably in her middle nineties now. Mm-hmm. She's an author, but she really got me stuck on the dogs. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely fascinated with what those dogs could do and that, you know, they could go from here or across wherever and bring whatever group of sheep you wanted back. Mm-hmm. And that really got me going. my first dog was actually an Australian shepherd. And then when he died of heartworms, I got a dog from her. Mm -hmm. and that it just went downhill after that. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I currently have five Border Collies. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, there's the old lady who's 13, and she's a little bit ditzy, maybe a little bit of dementia, but she's happy and she hangs out. Mm -hmm. Then the next one down is her daughter, Lark, and she is uh, seven. Mm -hmm. And the next one down is Becca, who is I think it's turning four in a couple of days. And then I have two puppies, one Nick, who is 10 months old, and Teak, who is uh, five and a half months old. Mm-hmm. So those two haven't done much with the sheep, but ma- mainly the farm is run by now Becca and Lark. They mm-hmm. help.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Lark has just hurt her toe, so Becca's having to do all the work, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a lot of, lot of good for her.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's involved with training them how to herd the sheep? I'm assuming they don't just go out there and do it on their uh, own.
1: Yeah, they sort of do. They have to have instinct to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, The border collies I have have been bred solely for working ability, Mm -hmm. and they look very different from each other. Um, One of them is a rough coat and a tricolor. The other four are smooth coats, which means they don't have that long collie coat. Mm -hmm. Um, And they... and, and Some of them are tricolor. some of them are black and white. Some of them have freckles and some of them don't. It really doesn't make any difference what they look like or what the ears look like or how big they are or how small they are. It's what they can do with the sheep. And they're born knowing how to do this. They're born with the instinct and then you take that instinct and shape it. Um, For instance, the four-year-old, Becca, when she came home at eight weeks of age, squeezed through the gate, little teeny place, because she was a little teeny dog, squeezed through the gate while I was sorting sheep. And I my heart was in my mouth because I figured they were gonna run her over. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, she walks up on them and chases them up the top of the hill. Not not bad, you know, she's doing okay. And I'm trying to get her to come back to me. And the only way I I caught her was because the sheep turned around and ran back down the hill and she couldn't see them anymore usually don't want them starting at eight weeks of age because they're not ready to train. But mm-hmm. their main instinct is to go around the sheep and bring them back to you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you think of a wolf pack with the alpha wolf and the beta wolves, they're the betas, I'm the alpha. So they go around and they bring them back to me. Mm-hmm. That's the main instinct you work with. So they need to go to the right or the left around the sheep, stop, walk up on them nicely, not chase them into your knees. Um, in, in various things like that. And it's a long process of training mm-hmm. that probably starts somewhere around six to ten months of age, or maybe a little older, depending on the maturity of the dog and the mental ter- maturity, mm-hmm. and goes on for the rest of their life. They probably start to become useful on the farm by the time they're two to three years old. Mm-hmm. Some of the other ones are. More precocious ones are are useful earlier.
0: Mm-hmm. So I I was just thinking about greyhounds and that you know they're used to race and then I know organizations started up to the, the greyhound rescue because the owners would oh they can't race anymore just kind of let them go or don't want them anymore. What so what happened? I'm just curious about border collies and sheep herding. What happens when in general, on farms when a collie is not able to perform anymore?
1: They go into retirement. Uh, Oh, Emmy is just sort of ditzing around the house and goes outside and Mm -hmm. lets me know when she's not happy because the younger ones are bothering her. And every so once in a while comes down to the barn with me and is very happy, Mm -hmm. but she's not really able to work anymore. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: But, you know, she's happy, so she has a a fine life. Um, I do compete in sheepdog trials, and there are people who will pass an older dog on that's no longer able to compete to somebody who needs a dog on a farm. Mm-hmm. So they usually are, it's, the rescue in border collies is more because of their backyard breeding, or people are, just don't know what they're getting into when they try and get one. They've seen the movie Babe, they think it would be cool to have one of these dogs, and they don't realize how much energy they have.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, a lot of energy. Uh, So uh, what is the biggest challenge, um, would you say, running the farm?
1: Oh, there's many of them. Um, Mm -hmm. Probably I don't like having to go out in the middle of winter when there's snow on the ground and toss hay to the sheep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you've got to do I mean, every single day you've got to be out there in the morning and the afternoon and doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been very wet and muddy all summer long. And the end result is that I have sheep that have hoof issues Mm. and are lame. And so, you know, they have to go through foot baths for that. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And
1: it's not just running them through the foot bath. They have to stand with their feet in the bath for 10 minutes each. And so... How how do you make them do that? I have a chute Mm -hmm. and I have the foot bath fits right in the chute. And Becca, God lover, is just wonderful at putting sheep in that chute. She's got the job down. She knows how to do it, and Mm -hmm. she doesn't push them too hard. And, you know, between the two of us, we run them through and then put four of them in the foot baths and let them stand there for 10 minutes. And then, I mean, that's what the the phone is good for, is you can time it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) go do something, come back, and run them through. Mm -hmm. Um, Lambing can be (laughs) challenging in the spring when the lambs start coming. Mm -hmm. I think one of the best things I've invested in is a, a wise cam that sits out in the in the lambing barn, and right. I can swivel it back and forth and look at all the pens where the ewes are. <laughs> and last year it was great, because I would just sit there and say, ah, that ewes in labor. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say, oh, it looks like she's having a lamb, and I'd go down the barn and check and see what how things were.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How often do things not go
1: um, well with the birth? For the most part, I have... Removed sheep from the flock that don't lamb well. Mm-hmm. So if if there's a problem sheep, she gets one year. Mm-hmm. You know, things like breech births are rare, mm-hmm. but um, if you're there, you can deal with them and get the lamb out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a few where the lambs are coming head first, and that's not very good either. Mm-hmm. And I can't get the legs out because. There's just not enough room in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one new prolapse her uterus last year, and I had mm-hmm. to call a friend up to put that back together again oh, my. Um, But for the most part, I mean, we did nineteen news last year, and I think that was the biggest problem I had. Sometimes I go out there and I say, "You know I'd like to go to bed now, that lamb's coming out." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah they're not in your schedule <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> you're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM in Northampton. We enjoy creating new shows for you, but in order to do that, we need the resources that Valley Free Radio provides, including office space, equipment, and technical resources. If you enjoy listening to and learning from this show, please support it financially by donating now on the website, at www.valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. Thank you. We're talking with Denise Leonard, owner of Tonstoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Um, so biggest challenge we were talking about, um, you, are there other challenges or... You said there's some. You made it sound like there's a list of a short list of those <laughs> challenges. It's
1: a short list and a long list. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we have drought in the summer, it's challenging to make sure the sheep have enough to eat on the pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, I do supplement them with some corn so that, and they seem fat and sassy and happy. So mm-hmm. I don't think that we're having a big issue with them being, you know, having problems. But, um, but having to watch that sort of thing and. We've had so much rain. I need to clean out the shed, and I'm asking one of my neighbors to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he can get his tractor in until things dry up again. So mm-hmm. Not too much. It's, it's, we're sort of on a, a hill, and so it makes it challenging to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so sheep, uh, I'm trying to think of what else
0: they... Any other um, issues that can crop up with
1: sheep? Sheep are probably put on this, are born to die. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, I mean, that sounds awful, but if they can find a way to kill themselves, they will. Oh, no. And Such (laughs) as? What are are they trying to do with themselves? Well, I mean, one of the things Mm -hmm. they do is they're very susceptible to internal parasites. Okay. And so they need to be dewormed regularly. Again, Mm. I've selected my flock so that they're not as, um, they're a little bit more resistant um, but again, when you have a very wet summer, like we've had this summer, mm-hmm. you all of a sudden can have problems with, with worms and it just happens overnight. Oh, wow. Um, I think because I have a smaller flock, I don't see as much stuff as like my friend who's got 160 and moves them all over the place. So, mm-hmm. um, I probably have more length of experience than he does, but he has a lot more width of mm-hmm. experience. hmm Um. There are weird things that can happen. Right. <clears throat> so I know
0: um, some farms use the chickens to go out around the cows and they kind of eat the pest bugs and the right. larvae from the cow cow poop. Um, do you use the chickens
1: in combination with the sheep or I not really? I don't. Okay. The chickens have their own nice place to be. Mm-hmm. And in my... I mean, they're, they're cage-free. They have a place to go in, a place to go out, and in my ideal world, they'd be able to free-range on the around the yard. Um, the problem with that is that same yard is where the dogs are, mm-hmm. and so I had one dog we did, dubbed Chicken Killer because if there was a chicken out, it forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, she no longer lives at our house, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, I have to protect them from the dogs and, and vice versa, so I just put a whole bunch of new chickens in that coop, and so I'm thinking that now I can bring the dogs in around 3.30 or 4, and the chickens can have a an hour or so to run around. It's mm-hmm. it's really good for them to be able to get out there and eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do have two guard dogs also. Mm-hmm. They're big white dogs, they're maremas. Um One's 12 and He's failing, you know. He's he's older, Mm -hmm. and the other one's three. They keep the coyotes and things away, Mm -hmm. so So that that helps. You leave them out at night, so they they're out in the pasture at night. Keep the predators away. Mm Nice, and that helps. um, That's another reason why the chickens aren't running around as loose Mm -hmm. as they could be.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, What is uh, what would you say is the mission of your farm?
1: I'm not sure we have a mission as much, but I um, originally the idea was. I mean, originally I liked the sheep and the dogs, mm-hmm. and then as we when we moved to Greenfield, I and we brought the chickens with us, um, and I stopped working full time, but went to f- part time. Mm-hmm. I started doing things with the meat chickens and the turkeys and pigs, and now for the most part, we grow our own meat. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of our mission is to grow our own meat, to know where it's come from, to know how it's been taken care of, to know it's been humanely raised, mm-hmm. well taken care of, you know, respected mm-hmm. before it goes in the freezer mm-hmm. um, and the excess we sell. Mm-hmm. So our mission is mainly for us to to grow our own meat. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is a, a lot of the farm income comes from giving sheepdog herding lessons. Mm-hmm. and. All right, So if anybody out there listening
0: uh, wants to learn how to train sheepdogs, Border you know, Collies, <laughs> Border Collies, you can, yeah, you can reach out to Denise.
1: <laughs> yeah. I will kind of add to that, that mm-hmm. among the Border Collies has been a three-way split. There's the show ring ones. There's the ones that do agility and fly ball. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ones that do the herding and Sometimes these sport bred ones can do the herding, and sometimes they can't. For the most part, the show ring ones really can't do it because it's just been bred out of them. Reads out very quickly, and um, I want to work with a dog that's got some talent, mm-hmm. and that we feel like we can bring along. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, quite honest with people if I think that it's not going to work out for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Nice. And we have a pretty strong. Uh, club in this area in the northeast region that goes all the way from Ontario and Nova Scotia down to Maryland Mm -hmm. and Delaware I think and it's the Northeast Border Collie Association and we have a lot of sheepdog trials all through the summer Um, we put a trial on at the Mass Sheep and Woolcraft show Mm -hmm. which actually as I understand is going to happen this year the end of May and uh, we put a trial on there and if you go on our website, you can see that you can go to a trial just about every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, given that COVID resolves and people start putting on more trials. Right, exactly.
0: Uh, so Denise, when you first came in, you mentioned a bum knee. Oh, yes. And, and alluded to the fact that that was one of your
1: dogs. Right. I have, I have a knee injury that mm-hmm. uh, possibly is a meniscus. I'm going actually going to go see a PT on Thursday, Mm -hmm. but um, I was sorting out sheep for a lesson, and Lark came on the inside of the gate to put the sheep through the chute, and the sheep came ramming into me from the outside of the gate. Now, sheep don't see directly in front of them. Mm -hmm. They can see nearly Mm -hmm. 360 degrees Mm -hmm. because their eyes are on the side of their head, so they see, but they don't see directly behind them, and they don't see directly in front of them, and I was in her way, and that was not very good. Mm -hmm. And then I went out in what I call my round pen, which is a pen that's about 65 by 85 feet where I start young dogs with some sheep with Nick, who is very exuberant and 10 months old, almost 10 months old. And, it was probably partly my fault, but I was, real, I was trying to get a feel for where his problems were because he thinks that running into the sheep and just grabbing along and running beside them is just really cool. And, of course, we don't want that to happen. That's not nice to the sheep, mm-hmm. and it's not good for them. But he's an exuberant young dog, and I can see where he's an uncut diamond, and I can see where he's got things that are going to be really nice when he learns how to appropriate appropriately work. And this is sort of the thing with training, is you figure out what you've got in a dog and how you're going to bring out the good parts of it and how you're going to train and handle around the other parts of it. Mm -hmm. So he ran the sheep right into my leg. (laughs) And like I said, it was probably more my fault, as I shouldn't have backed up. I should have gone through them and gotten after him for coming in that fast. Mm -hmm. And I think completely pulled the muscles in the back of my leg. Mm Ouch. So I'm running, wearing a knee brace right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. now well, I,
0: how often do you get injured <laughs> while you're uh, working the farm?
1: All my main injuries are from the sheep. The sheep. Yeah. Um. Yep. And you're, you're, you I had said a rotator cuff thing where oh, a sheep ran oh, right into me, oh. and I mean, it's. It, I probably broke a, a bone in my backbone or oh. cracked a bone there oh. when it, when I rode a sheep down the fence line and fell off it right into a metal post. Wow, (laughs) wow. That does not sound fun. Uh, Um, Ouch. So,
0: yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Not good to have have that happen. Uh, I was curious if if you collaborate with other farms, or partners, and if yes, have they changed over the years?
1: Yes, we do collaborate. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a friend who lives in Sunderland, Mm -hmm. um, Little Brook Farm, Kristen Whittle. I don't know if you've gotten in contact with her. Yeah, I don't think so. You should get in contact with her Mm -hmm. and have her come in. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she and I have shared rams for years and developed a flock along the same lines. Um, And um, we've done some marketing of lambs together, Mm -hmm. but more what we've done in the last two or three years is market meat chickens together. Mm -hmm. Her, myself, and another woman in uh, Warwick, Barb Erickson, mm-hmm. has done that. And the three of us, we, we, st- we called ourselves Happy Valley Chicks, and we were selling chickens. <laughs> nice. We sold to uh, Belly of the Beast, and we've sold to, which I think they've gone out of business, yep.
0: Yeah, unfortunately,
1: great restaurant. And we've sold to Great Falls Harvest that mm-hmm. way. I don't know if we're gonna continue to do that, because Belly of the Beast has gone out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen and I did a bunch of turkeys this year, of the beast bought some of mine but went out of business before hers are ready mm-hmm. so we've done some of that co- collaborating that's great yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh, what seasons are you opening you op- you're open all you're long all in terms year, of selling product
1: right we're open all year round okay. and people can just contact us um for the most part we're sold out of lamb this year okay um some of the lamb has gone to Sweet Lucy's Bake Shop up in Berniston, Massachusetts and she makes first of all she makes the most awesome baked goods mm. and secondly um she makes shepherd's pie with our lamb mm. so that's it's gone up there. Mhm. That's great. Um but people can contact us ahead of time and put in an order for, you know, half or whole lamb. If mm-hmm. I've got cuts in the freezer I'll sell those too.
3: Mhm.
0: So they can pre-order for the next season. Yes,
1: we do have chickens in the freezer right now. Mm-hmm. This year's
0: chickens.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: so,
0: what are your? What, do you have other outlets for the food grown? You mentioned farmers market.
1: I've been to the farmers market a little bit, but it just seems like it didn't seem it was cost-effective. Mm-hmm. I'd need a freezer. It just seemed like it was more work than it was worth, and I sell off the farm a lot more.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, number of people will buy lambs. I have a group of women from the Amherst area that came up and bought, I think, three and a half lambs this spring.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Or not this spring, but, you know, the first slaughter date. Um, I sell quite a few feeder lambs, so people that buy them in the spring for themselves to then grow up and then butcher in the fall.
3: Mm-hmm. That's great. Um,
0: so farmers market... and. So if someone orders on the website, do they, they come pick it up? You don't mail order anything? No, I don't mail order. Okay. So it's all by pickup. Right. And that's an appointment?
1: Or do yeah, you have certain you sh- days that you... No, they could come by appointment. They should probably call ahead.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Or they can text or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then, so the... But you they can order on the internet, though. So if they want to... They can email me. Email you. Yeah, I don't have an
1: order form on the internet.
0: Oh, okay. So email or call. And what are the other... Do you have other products um, you mentioned? Right now we have eggs so you, so coming out eggs. our ears. <laughs> so they can
1: come <laughs> pick up some eggs. Yes, we have My lots s- of eggs. Um, um, I had this really cool idea this spring mm-hmm. that I really should get a whole bunch of different chickens that would lay different colored eggs. Mm-hmm. I've been sort of working towards this. I bought 30 chicks this spring. Okay, now if you think that a chicken lays an egg a day for the most part, do you know how many eggs I'm going to have? And on top of that, I already had fourteen hens. Wow. So the old ones went to the auction. Mm-hmm. The new ones I had from last year are still here. Mm-hmm. Um I sold six. But we have got eggs coming just because these new ones have just started laying. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably collecting, I don't know, 12 to 18 eggs a day. Wow. The dogs eat a lot of eggs. (laughs) The dogs. So, did your color. uh, Yes, we've got dark brown eggs and light brown eggs and medium brown eggs and olive colored eggs and green colored eggs and blue colored eggs. And my husband, I bring the eggs in, he washes them up and puts them in the egg cartons. He gets very artistic about it. Nice. We need to take a station
0: break, but please stay with us because when we return, we'll continue our discussion with Denise Leonard, owner of Tonstoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, an independent, nonprofit community-run station in Northampton, Massachusetts. The show streams on valleyfreeradio.org, where you can also find our program schedule and become involved with the station. This is one of two fun drive weeks a year here at the station uh, this week, and our goal is to raise $5,000. Uh, that's just 10000 a year, and it keeps the station running, which provides any resident who has an idea for a radio show the resources to make it happen.
4: At the American Lung Association, we're fighting for a day when we can all breathe easier. We're fighting for clear skies over every city and healthy lungs throughout the country. We're fighting to keep harmful secondhand smoke out of our public spaces and workplaces. And fighting to free millions of Americans from the addictive grip of tobacco and the devastating effects of lung disease. We're fighting for a day when kids no longer battle airborne poisons in their own homes or the fear of an asthma attack. The American Lung Association isn't just fighting for air, we're fighting for all the things that make it worth breathing and we can use your help Join us in the fight, visit fightingforair.org and read about just a few of the many ways the American Lung Association is fighting to protect the air we breathe, both indoors and out. See what you can do at fightingforair.org.
0: It's time to ask Mr. Green from the Sierra Club. Phil in University Place, Washington asks, Hey, Mr. Green, what is the correct temperature for my refrigerator and freezer? I want to make sure I'm not wasting energy.
4: Well, Phil, the best thing to do is to set the fridge between 35 and 38 degrees Fahrenheit and the freezer at zero. And because it takes more energy to keep a freezer cold if it's empty, make sure to keep it filled. If necessary, you can use jugs of water or ice. Standing there with the door open, pondering what to eat, is an indisputable juice drain. So keep that door closed. If you want to get even better energy savings, visit energystar.gov to find Energy Star appliances. These are more efficient models that will save energy and save you money on your bills. So remember, set that fridge between 35 and 38 degrees Fahrenheit and set the freezer at zero, and for the best energy savings, look for an efficient Energy Star model.
0: Ask Mr. Green and learn a lot more online at sierraclubradio.org.
1: Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of Valley Free Radio. River Valley Co-op specializes in fresh, local, and organically grown foods, fresh produce, meat and seafood, cheese and dairy, bread and baked goods, and an in-house deli, along with a wide selection of bulk foods and a large selection of natural and organic grocery items. Owned by its customers, although everyone is welcome, co-op ownership is not required. Open daily, 8 to 10, 330 North King Street, Northampton, phone 413-584-2665, rivervalleymarket.com. Co-op. Thank you, River Valley Co-op, for your support of free speech in the Pioneer Valley.
0: My name is Jessica. Show producer Caroline Rutterman joins me in the studio. Please support uh, the unique local programming found only here on Valley Free Radio by going online to valleyfreeradio.org. Slash donate and make your tax deductible contribution today. Thank you. We've been talking with Denise Leonard, owner of Tonstoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Uh, so, Denise, actually, I was curious uh, about slaughtering. So, you've mentioned slaughter days. Do you have to do all the... I'm assuming you don't do all the slaughtering yourself. Is there a slaughtering
1: local company that helps out or... We bring our um, lambs to and the, and the pigs, mm-hmm. go to Adams Farm in Athol. Okay. That's a USDA plant. Mm-hmm. They actually... I'm blanking on the name of the woman who's autistic. All right. Um, Autistic. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Temple Brandon. Yes, yes. She actually, I think they, their place burned down. They rebuilt, and they rebuilt based on some of her recommendations Mm -hmm. there. Great. Um, But they do the slaughter and the cut up for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And the chickens and and turkeys go to Reed Farm in Sunderland. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do that. And they are... I don't know that the USDA inspected, but the mass inspected, mm-hmm. which means we can sell.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I only bring that up because we've had farmers uh, in before who said there aren't enough slaughtering locations around. That is around, so it's it can be pretty tough.
1: That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I co do with Kristen and also with Barb is Kristen went and got slaughter dates for us through the next two years. I have slaughter dates for the pigs that I haven't even, they haven't even been born yet for oh next my goodness. year. Wow. Yes. <laughs> That's um, they ahead. are booked out through 2022 mm-hmm. at Adam's farm. And it's an issue. I don't know how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but we've yeah. managed to, what we've done is we've, Booked 12 slots once a month. Mm-hmm. And then whomever needs them takes them. And if we don't need them, we call up and say we're canceling these. Yeah, That's And that way they can put somebody who's on the waiting list in.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. I know some other folks have to step up and pro- could probably learn from Adams. Right. Uh, there's a-
1: bloods out in Pepperell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that they're USDA. They had been, and then something went wrong and they lost their oh. USDA, but they may be back again. I'm not sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Apparently there's a place up in Willing- Willington, Vermont that's just opening up. Oh, good. So. Yeah, that's not too far. Uh, so Denise, do you have a CSA
0: type membership or are you? I don't. Okay. I don't. So you have, you have no plans to do?
1: No. CSA. And actually considering I'm approaching 70 in a year. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you look younger. Much younger. I'm, um, Trying to decide how to, how to gear down a bit. Mm-hmm. This is the first year I haven't bred all my ewes, mm-hmm. um, which is a change for me. Um, of course it was hard to figure out which I was going to breed. and I ended up breeding 18, but, which is almost as many as I bred last year. But, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but it is a change for me. I need to, at some point or another, I'll probably stop breeding ewes and just buy lambs mm-hmm. to grow out. Yeah.
0: So anyone to pass your farm down to? My your younger or?
1: son is supposed to inherit it. Whether or not he farms it, I don't know. I see. But he's you know, it's it's on chapter sixty-one A mm-hmm. in the town of Greenfield, mm-hmm. which is lower tax rate on mm-hmm. that land. And uh if he wants to maintain that, he's going to have to <laughs> do some farming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, or sell it to somebody else. Uh, so what sustainable practices uh, have you incorporated on the farm in terms of like water use, energy saving?
1: Well, we're going to repack the hydrants, so that'll help with the water that's <laughs> leaking out of it. uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, we pasture raise all the animals. They're all outside, and mm-hmm. they're pastured. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's coddled, you know, so there are no... Even the lambs when they're born, I don't put heat lamps on for them because they're they're not safe. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, are you saying a lot of farm fires start with yeah oh, yeah with heat
1: lamps? Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, and even the chicken um,
0: you know, incubators.
1: Yeah, the incubator things I have are not heat lamps anymore. These really neat heat plates oh. that have little feet on them, and the little chicks can get under them
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and keep themselves warm. It's like being under a mother hen. That mm-hmm. way. Oh, great. Yeah. But I think mainly is that everything's pasture raised. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I feel like we're running out of pasture, we go to hay.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, We just have to buy the hay. No matter yeah, what we the, have to buy the no hay. No matter what the yeah. price. I've,
1: well, I've lucked on, again through Kristen, mm-hmm. this really good person up in um, Vermont who makes wonderful hay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought... A truckload. And I'm talking about an eighteen wheeler truckload Oh wow. this year. Had to be pulled he got stuck and he had to be pulled out with my neighbor's tractor. <laughs> no. An eighteen wheeler.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Uh so are there any things you do to uh amend or improve the soil on the farm? Well the sheep walk around and poop on it. So that's yeah, great.
1: Yeah. And any of the manure that comes out. In the past, we've dumped in various parts of the pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have the guy when he takes the manure out this year, put it in a pile down the bottom of the field. He may actually take some up and make compost out of it, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to uh, have him put it in a uh, down the bottom of the field. And when it sort of rots, then I'll see about spreading it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what was the question? <laughs> <clears throat>
0: oh, amending soil. Amending soil, and you also yeah. have the chicken. I mean, I hear chicken poop is, is yeah, is that that's got a lot of nitrogen of in it, though.
1: I think oh, too sheep much nitrogen. Poop, yeah, I think sheep poop is a little bit more um, even in I terms of uniform. what it's got. Mm-hmm. Oh, good to know. Yeah. So, what do you do with the chicken poop? You just let it? I just sort of well, there's not a whole lot of it actually. Oh no. Oh. I mean, I clean out the bedding once a year and sort of dump it in. There's a there's a shrub bed right by the chickens and it gets dumped in there, mm-hmm. used as mulch. Yeah. Anything that comes out of the sheep lambing pen gets used as mulch in the perennial beds I have. Mm-hmm. Um, like the chickens, I didn't do those small either.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so small. <laughs> well, I can't keep up with it. That's the problem. Uh-huh.
0: Sounds like you're going to have a hard time gearing
1: down. To well, I started gearing down the, retirement. Gar- the gardens. Um <laughs> I, my feeling is if, if we want to eat vegetables out of the garden, then somebody else has got to grow them. And uh, so we put, I grow tomatoes cause, and, and any other vegetables we buy from local farm stands because they can do a better job than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I had a whole bunch of perennial beds, and they've been turned into shrub beds now mm-hmm. with a bunch of daylilies in them
3: mm-hmm.
1: and some Siberian iris. Um, and that, I'm um, the idea, whether or not it works or not, but the idea is the shrubs will grow so dense that I won't have to weed as much. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to work, but I'm right. trying. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah. I mean, they take up a lot more space and right. would shade out, right. theoretically
1: shade out the weeds. And the thing about the daylilies is they grow in such a thick clump mm-hmm. that, um, it's really hard uh, for things to get established in them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the chickens can go on, in around and scratch around them and pull out the weeds, but leave the daylilies okay. Oh, great! Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so,
0: okay, so mostly lamb poop, <laughs> she pooped a, a men soil.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, we you, do have yeah. the guy come in, and we've done soil testing on the mm-hmm. pasture, and he, you know, have him come in and do lime. Um, right. The idea was he was going to come in a couple of times this year, and it just got too wet. Mm-hmm. but we've had lime and then have the soil tested and amended with sorry chemical fertilizer that needs to be done there was one thing we're we're low in potash I think and I'm I'm com- I can't remember whether that's the P or the K mm-hmm. part of the NPK mm-hmm. um but that is important in terms of getting grass to grow mm-hmm. so we put some amendment on that last year and the grass looks a lot better this year oh, okay so so the and and the problem is too because sheep will eat it very close, mm-hmm. so it's easy to overgraze. Right, and if I was really good about separating out the pasture into smaller areas for them to graze and let some of it rest, mm-hmm. uh, then it would be much better. But I really like the idea of being able to stand on one side of my field and send my dog three hundred yards to get the sheep on the other side without having fences in the way. And mm-hmm. So you don't rotate. Yeah, no, I not don't rotating rotate the
0: pastures.
3: Yet.
1: I mean, I have a front field that the lambs ran all summer, and that worked quite well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was wet enough this year that the grass did okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're off the field now, mm-hmm. so they don't overgraze it for the winter. Right. And have you noticed any
0: major changes on your farm uh, due to climate change?
1: That's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the things I've noticed is is that uh, the frost date has gotten much later. Mm-hmm. We have Carolina wrens hanging around the house all the time now. Bluebirds are around all the time. I think I've, I've I noticed the wildlife mm-hmm. differences more than the other differences. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a reasonable answer? Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, usually people mention the insects, like the bees. um.
1: Right, but I'm not sure that the bee issue is an issue with um, climate change as much Mm -hmm. as it's an issue with various different chemicals and insecticides Mm -hmm. that are being put out. Neighbors across the street put in a, a beehive last year. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool because they'd come over to our house and they'd pollinate all the different plants that were there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd text them and say, your bees are over here again. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm enjoying watching them. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I wouldn't mind trying to do is honey, but, I, you know, it's, I like bees a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear it costs $1,000 to get a hive going. So, Oh, it probably does. One gentleman does. told me, he decided to just, you know, support the local honeymakers by buying theirs versus yeah. a of yeah. his own and his
1: house. And, and mm-hmm. uh, until recently, I really didn't like honey. I think it was one of these yep. things that my mother used as a cough syrup when I was a kid. But now I do like it and I figure I will do the same, support mm-hmm. the local.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But I'm glad to see the bees around when I see them.
0: Uh, so I, no- I noticed you have a picture, you, you mentioned your flowers, um, that you have a picture of a butterfly, on, on an echinacea, echinacea plant yeah. on your website. Um, would you consider
1: your farm pollinator friendly? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Um, mostly have perennial plants rather than annual plants and mm-hmm. then the shrubs also, mm-hmm. um, and all the weeds that the pollinators like, like goldenrod and mm-hmm. stuff oh, yeah. like
0: that. Yeah, yeah. goldenrod's great. <laughs> uh, so what percentage of the plants on your farm would you say are perennial versus
1: annual? Probably 95% are perennial. Oh. Yeah, I, I This year put in three flats of annuals. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I like this plant and I like this plant and I like this. But um, I don't usually grow annuals.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, What do you do to keep the cost of raising the food down? That's a really hard question to answer Mm because it's really hard to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Being a small farmer, I end up buying things from Greenfield Farmers Mm Co-op. So I belong to the co-op and I get a discount Mm -hmm. each time I go in. Um, And if you buy 11 bags of feed or more, you get a discount. But it's not a huge discount and the price of of feed has gone way up this year. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, when I was a kid, it was two to three dollars, a hundred pounds. And then they now make them 50 pound bags rather than a hundred pound bags. And we're talking about $16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very hard to, I mean, obviously getting animals that are going to be as thrifty as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I'm looking for is lambs that'll grow fast, do well. Give us, you know, a reasonable carcass in a quick amount of time. Mm
0: -hmm. You're listening to Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP, 103.3 FM in Northampton. Uh, If you enjoy the programming here on Valley Free Radio, please help us get off to a strong start during this fun drive week by providing a financial contribution at valleyfreeradio.org slash donate. We are talking with Denise Leonard, owner of Town Stoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Have you ever measured, uh, Denise, the nutrient content of the food raised on the farm? No, I haven't. Hmm. That's sort of a new thing that people are really. Yeah, into. no, I'm not aware of that. Okay. Uh, do you have an inter- So you don't have an internship program because it's
1: no, we don't. But I'm very you know willing yourself. to help out people that want to learn. Okay. Um, I've done work with. Uh, the Votech in Turner's Falls, mm-hmm. they have a, I think, a pre-vet program or a vet tech program there, and they've come over and we've done things with the baby lambs. Mm-hmm. We've done things with, uh, you know, showing them the dogs, what they can do and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Yeah. Good partnership.
0: Uh, so you mentioned the, the pastures, you don't rotate, but... Um
1: I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. I have plenty of electric fence. <laughs> if you have the time to... <laughs> to yeah. It th- well, that's part of the problem is you right. have to move the fence a fair amount of time. Mm-hmm. And if you're really that's dedicated to it, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm.
0: So what is involved um, in terms of the maintenance of the growing, growing spaces on the farm? Does it take a lot to maintain them?
1: Well, the lawn never gets mowed. Mm-hmm. So the sheep sometimes go out on it.
0: It's more like a meadow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and last year, actually, we had the turkeys out there eating mm-hmm. the grass. And it was like, that was nice. You didn't have to mow the lawn. <laughs> um, if I really think that there's a problem in parts of the pasture, then I probably would pull some of the net out and fence it off so that mm-hmm. the sheep could eat in one place and then eat in another place. Mm-hmm. So, Denise, what's a typical day like for you on the farm? I get up at the crack of dawn, Mm -hmm. which in the winter is later than in the summer. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have, I I am retired, but I do part-time work for UMass, so that's my morning thing to do. Mm -hmm. Dogs get put out. Um, Depending on the season depends on what I end up doing. Mm -hmm. You know, during lambing season, I'm out checking the barn two or three times a day or more. Um, just to make sure, and watching my little wise camera yeah, that keys into the phone, which is really kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, I do chores once a day, um, and in and usually around three in the afternoon. Um, it makes the lambing time not in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, other people say that they don't have lambs in the middle of the night either, but I just have found that they'll lamb either just before or at just after you feed them. So if you feed them around two or three in the afternoon mm-hmm. they'll um usually the lambs are not born at midnight, which mm-hmm. is nice. <laughs> um but it's a matter of doing the chores that consist of making sure everything has water. Mm-hmm. Um this time of year it's filling those up forty, t- 40 gallon tubs once a day because they're inside, they're eating hay, they need a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, the chickens are now on, they've got water tubs, they've got three two-gallon heated water tubs so that they have fresh, clean, thawed water Mm -hmm. during the day. But there are 30 chickens in there, so I probably fill those up about two or three times a week, Mm -hmm. easily. I also, for the chickens, have a couple of um, large bin feeders They're called Grandpa's Feeders. They're pretty cool because you can put 40 pounds of feed in them. The chickens, it's a lever thing, so the chickens stand on it and open up a top so they can eat out of it. Mm -hmm. And when they get off, the top closes, which means it keeps varmints out. Mm -hmm. And we were having a lot of problems with rats. Mm -hmm. I still think they're, I know they're around there. Mm -hmm. But also with uh, the the house sparrows coming in and eating all the chicken feed. Oh no! So it's... (laughs) I've noticed. So saving bit, you money. <laughs> yeah, that's saving us money. Yeah, um, and in this, in this, you know, when the lambs are there, they have to. We have to make sure they're fed twice a day at least. Um, you set up something that's called a creep, which has got bars in it, so the lambs can get through, but the mothers can't. And then you can feed, feed free feed grain in there, mm-hmm. and that gets them a really good start when they're younger. Okay, um, and. This time of year, we're feeding hay out. Also,
0: it's mm-hmm. a lot of work.
1: And then the and dogs what? get fed in the morning and in the, the night. Mm-hmm. And when do you finish for the day? I am probably usually in bed by now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <before eight> o'clock, <laughs> I take a nap every day about mm-hmm. nine o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> you take a nap? At night. Seriously, um. I sit there and read and fall asleep for about 15 minutes and then wake up and Mm -hmm. read some more. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Well, Denise, uh,
0: actually we've gone over time, but if you want to mention your website or how people can order.
1: People uh, can uh, go on our website uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. www.tanstoffelfarm.com That's a mouthful to say. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have a listing on CISA so they can look up the farm there Mm -hmm. Um, and just contact us there's phone numbers and you can call or email Mm -hmm. and we can get back to you so that's T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L
0: for com. .com. you can look that up awesome we'd like to thank our guest Denise Leonard owner of Tonstoffel Farm in Greenfield, Massachusetts you can find additional information about Farm to Fork on Valley Free Radio's website valleyfreeradio.org Our theme song was written and performed by Scraggly Dan and the Stragglers.
4: Farm to Fork is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. If you would like to hear past episodes, you can go to to farmtofork.podcast.co or Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, or any podcast service that you use. Just search for Farm to Fork on WXOJ.